I, I feel like I always forget what episode we're up to, but I think this is episode 27. Is that right? Uh, we're chugging along here. Episode 20. I'm just going to say 27 until one of you guys corrects me. Um, of the Coins R Us podcast. <laughs> um, I'm here, Joel. I'm with Kim. I'm with Ben. Uh, Jesse's not with us today, but he'll be joining us back on the next episode. Um, and finally, we're, we're coming into the new season after a couple of wins. It took us three games to get there, <laughs> but we finally got our first win of 2023 with uh, what ended up being a little bit of a, a throttling of, of Crystal Palace away. Um, let's be honest before we before we talk about the match. What were your thoughts at halftime? Because <laughs> it was still nil nil and we hadn't scored any of our four goals yet. What were your thoughts? At that point, especially coming off the loss to Villa. Honestly, I was disappointed. I mean, the fact that we didn't give up a goal before halftime did have I I was a little I was feeling a little good about that. Honestly, I was like, it's possible we'll be able to keep that keep that clean sheet if we find a way to turn ourselves around. But I was disappointed with the effort in the first half. I just felt like a lot of that just came to nothing. Uh, a lot of the same stuff that we complained about was happening. Um, we started off really well. So I, I looked at that and I was like, it, it seems like we came out with an energy that I wanted to see. But then um, Palace got on the ball as they might, as they will do sometimes at home. And so I, I didn't think it was like totally negative in the same way some of our first halves have been. But I was disappointed because I was just like, we need something to happen. We're at, we're at the point where I feel like most of the fans, when you go in out of a half that way, you sort of kind of feel like that is just going to continue. Um, and so going into the half, I was disappointed, but still was like, this game is anyone's game. And if it's anyone's game, then if we have the ability to make it ours, then we can. And so that's how I was. I it wasn't like too negative, but I was still like, we can play better than this. Yeah. I mean, by and large, I was just like, I think same as you is, is same old Spurs, but at least we didn't concede, you know? Um, so that was the silver lining of the first half is that we didn't concede a goal. We could hopefully still score first. We're obviously <clears throat> most of the season, we've been a, a second half team. So I would say I, I was, you know, fairly optimistic about the second half. I mean, I should, I should stress the fairly because of how poorly we played it at Villa or against Villa right. at home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was just glad that we didn't concede and hopeful for the second half, we'll say. Ben, do you think we were good or was Palace just bad? Yes. <laughs> I think my my hope is that this is not an aberration. Um, because there was some fortune there. Obviously, you saw, I'm sure the expected goals, I think was like closer to one and a half, or it was less than two at least. Um, yeah, I mean that that sunny goal should have never happened. Yeah, um, so there, there was a bit of fortune to it, um, but sometimes you get that, and we just hope that we can use that as some kind of platform to build a little bit of momentum. Uh, it was really nice to see Heel be so involved. Uh, that was, I, I think, my personal favorite part of that was just seeing him, like I said, involved in, I think, three of the four goals. Just looked like he had a spring in his step, and then the way Antonio Conte bear-hugged him when he came over, I think gave him a little 
Italian kiss on the cheek there. It was uh, it was it was definitely heartening to see that because that's what we really need is more creativity. Um, some of the players that haven't done very much so far to start, um, you know, making a little making good. That, I mean, that's exactly how it was when we had Kuliseski last year. I know that this is an overused phrasing, uh, but you could say having a heel pop up like that is almost like a new signing because. <laughs> We don't have any yet, and who knows what we are going to sign, but <laughs> right. that's at least a, uh, it's at least good to have that. I mean, that's kind of what happens, right? Like, it, I feel like it's taken injuries for guys to start getting some minutes that we've been asking for them to get. Um, Kulisevsky gets hurt. Lucas Mora has some strange injuries. Sar getting some minutes is nice, out. too, just to, um, to your point. And so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, guys are hopefully taking advantage of the opportunity. It's funny because. Um, at halftime, I was like, man, Skip and Hill, I feel like, was both just getting cooked <laughs> on defense. I'm like, yo, these guys can't stay in front of a man. Um, and we're really just getting passed by very easily, particularly on that left wing. I do feel like one of the biggest differences in the second half is that we just played less defense. Like, we were dominating possession more and i think that's when players like brian hill can shine like if he's being asked to put in a defensive shift i think that's when we're going to see the worst version of him um and when he can keep possession and play passes forward is the best version of him it's like the opposite of of royale right like royale's best performances were against teams like liverpool where we had to play defense for 60 percent of the game um, you saying we should put Royale and Heel on the same same side and get that get that pair on the right? I'm not Maybe saying that because uh, because Doc played well, and so I feel like Doherty is is very clearly the starting right wing back for the time being, at least until we bring in someone better. Um, Spence, for whatever reason, can't get a run under Conte. I don't know what he's doing or not doing in training, um, but I think at this point, it's it's Doherty's position to lose. Um, you know, Skip had a rough couple games this weekend, quite frankly. I think, um, you know, people are, are kind of down on him because of that. But I also think, like, he's rusty and he's coming back from injuries. He's been out stuff. for for how long now? I mean, yeah. like, it, in reality, he's had how many games in the last – what when did he go out last year? In, like, January or February? I mean, it's been, like, almost an entire year he's had. Yeah. How many? How many minutes, you know? I, I think that's a little harsh on him. We, we'd have to give him a little bit more time to get around him before – passing judgment on where he's at at this point, I think. Well, you talked about SAR, so I think that's probably a natural place to go next as we're talking about our midfield. Um, I think based on his performances against Palace and against Portsmouth, he's probably ahead of Skip right now in the pecking order. Um, I think so. You, you got to think he's probably still... Size, but yeah. yeah, I mean, he's probably still fourth, I'm assuming, behind Basuma, but like... He could pass him, too. I don't know. I mean, Kim, watching Sar, obviously, it's been a very small sample size. But what about his game have you found impressive? Just the way he is on the ball. He reminds me of Bentoncourt in the way that he doesn't seem to get rushed when he's doing something. He just finds a pass. And in the game against Portsmouth, he had a number of like forward passes where he was trying things, trying to get the ball in the box. Um, and we were in attacking positions when he was doing that, but even on the defensive side, um, 
that guy's just insanely lanky and he seems to have the ability to nip in and get a ball when you really don't think he should, but it's just because his legs are that long and he uses them to his best ability. So I feel like when it came to cleaning stuff up, there were often moments where I was like, oh shoot, what's going to happen here? And then Sar would just nip in and get the ball and find his way to be sprinting the other way. And so for me, it's just from what we want from a defensive midfielder, a true box to box person, I'm not saying he's there today, but he seems to have the tools to be able to do that. Um, And from what I saw in the last two games, I would like to just see more of it. I'd just like to see him get more time to see exactly how he can fit into this team because there are times where we feel, I feel our midfield sometimes isn't solid enough where they, they let us a lot of stuff go by them, but also they're not adventurous enough all the time. And so I feel like he was an even mix of being adventurous while also being, by also taking care of the ball. And so I just want to see what that looks like you know, with more game time. And obviously yeah. he's, a, he's a little slight. So he's another guy like Brian Hill that would, you know, gain some weight, build some muscle, but Bucket I can win like, the ball. Right. Like, yes, and that's yes. something that Hill has not shown uh, an ability to do at this point. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I also noticed how just lanky he is. He's got a, a bit of that uh, like baby draft look, but he somehow seems pretty, um, pretty, I don't know, light-footed or something. The way he would kind of dart in there and get some of those, it, like, it was almost like he was just picking the ball off of people. So I, I'm, you know, it, I, I hope that he'll uh, get more playing time and be able to show us a little bit more of what he has. It's obviously too small of a sample size so far, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because, I, like you said, Joel, he could he could get up the, that pecking order in the midfield pretty easily. Um, there's yeah, definitely- I mean, that was, that was kind of something I was going to say is like, Right now, obviously, the primary starters in the two is going to be Benson Kern, Hoybier. Um, and then I think that third spot is currently Basuma's. That probably has a lot to do with how much um, we spent for him this past summer. But he hasn't had a great run of form. He he has been mostly average up to this point. Uh, granted, we're just now approaching the midpoint of the season. Um, because of that wonky skipped week, um, we're actually playing Arsenal twice before we play City once. But at this point in the season, I don't think he's done anything to solidify his place um, ahead of Sar. On the flip side of that argument, you could say we haven't seen enough of Sar to really say that he should be ahead of Basuma either. So I think it's going yeah, to be that's what I would just like to see Sar get some minutes so that we could see enough to make any kind of judgment on to whether he's more deserving of more minutes than Ibasuma. I just hope yeah. he gets some time to show us. It's just it's tough on Skippy because I really like him. Um, I was a big fan of his when Same. he did play last year. And it just feels like it's going to take some time for him to get back to where he used to be. Um, and I think the difficulty in that is going to be when and, and how that's going to happen if he's the fifth midfielder when we play a system of two well, at a time. Let me ask you a question about going back to Saar. Um, I know it seemed like he was playing fairly deep, especially in that Portsmouth game. I guess both those games, it seemed like he was playing the deeper of the two or they were, you know, a double pivot, but I didn't see him get forward that much. Is he another one, like almost all of our midfielders that is kind of a deep 
like almost a defensive mid, not, not entirely, but they don't really get forward all that much. And they're not exactly deep line, you know, playmakers. It seems like we have potentially five midfielders that are all similar mold, but I'm hoping that I, I don't know that, that much about him. But. I mean, I don't know much about him either outside of what I saw the last two matches. I mean, I think like, but, I think part of it is Conte Conte's inflexibility um, in terms of con- consistently playing a two instead of a three. Um, and so like, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing, right? Um, is is yeah. it that we're signing these guys because of the system or we playing the system because of who we have? Um, I do feel like we would benefit from mixing it up sometimes and being able to play like two. Well, Bencor has gotten further up a little bit more or he he has, was before the World Cup, at least. But and, I think and even Hoybier, what we're a missing. Bit. Yeah, I mean, they've done it. But I think what we're missing as a team is just like creative ball handlers. I think right. that's what made Hill's performance so refreshing is to see somebody like actually want to have the ball on their feet <laughs> and not constantly just recycle it because they don't know what to do next. Um, and like outside of Hill, you have Kulisevsky and you have Kane. I can't name anyone else on our team who's really creative. And I think that's a big gap that is probably on some level disallowing us from really playing a three midfield set because like you don't have that number 10 to really pull the strings. Yeah. And I think that's right. I mean, we talked about this before the, the one person most likely to play that like central 10 would be Kulisewski probably. Um, and he, or Harry Kane. He, or Harry Kane <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what the, to be frank, like we've been talking about Harry Kane, not dropping into midfield and what he did against palace in the second half Finally dropped was in drop into midfield. Yeah. And then we scored four goals. So it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I hope that Conte will give him a little bit freer of a reign to, uh, to drop back, especially when I mean, that's so the thing. It's like, creating. it's like, we don't have a 10, but. Harry spends 50% of the game playing as a 10 anyway, because if he doesn't, then he doesn't touch the ball. Yeah. So the problem like, is that he Okay. Wasn't doing I'm going to just drop back here because you guys aren't making anything happen. So let me do it. <laughs> and I'm yeah. also the best passer on the team. So the problem was against Villa though. He just didn't do that. And I don't know if that's because Conte was, you know, on him not to do that or. Well, Conte, Conte, like started the season saying like Harry Kane is is best as a number nine. I'd like to see him in the box more. And I I don't even agree with that. I mean, I'm not saying I do either. either. I'm not saying I do either. Harry Kane is best as a nine and a half. He's best at being in the midfield. And then if we move the ball along to someone else, he moses his way into the box. That's the the main thing is the way our squad is currently constructed he's better as a 10 because nobody else can play fill that role, especially when Kulisewski's not in there. If Kulisewski's in there, they can kind of swap and have some balance. But I feel like more than anything else, him not dropping in as a 10 is probably hurting Sonny because Sonny then isn't able to get back and stretch the defense when defenders try to come up on Kane. And then he's also there not to receive, he's not there to receive through balls and passes from Kane as much, which is that, I mean, if I think it was two seasons ago where it was just constantly Kane hitting those, like no yeah. look short diagonals or medium range diagonals oh, to Sonny to run pass. in. Yeah, <laughs> that's his signature pass probably, right? And he's not been doing that. And I think Sonny is the one who's been who lost benefit more than anybody else. 
I think that Conte's idea was that we'll have Perisic and he's going to deliver for Kane in the box. And that has happened some of the time, but I think that it's weakened us in other areas. So like yeah. Joel, I think you were saying like, you got to mix it up. You don't want him always to be at number 10, not always drop it in, but don't, you can't stick up top and he's never touching the ball or getting his head on a few scraps here and there. Yeah, I feel like it needs to be situational. And that's where I feel like some of Conte's inflexibility comes into play is when it's stuff like this. It's like, all right, if you see within the first 20 minutes that this stuff's not working, then the players should have the like wherewithal within themselves to say, all right, let's try something a little different. But Conte's very rigid. And I feel like if if he feels like they're not playing towards the game plan and Conte's game plan is for Kane to stay up, then, you know he he'd be more willing to get mad about it and blah 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 so i i think you know i don't know if if him dropping back into midfield against palace was like a conte thing or it was just a cane thing i mean we wouldn't know unless we were in that locker room but i i feel like it's we play better as a team especially without kulisevsky if kane is willing to be more flexible or if they're willing to be more flexible with the way kane is deployed and so maybe I mean, maybe losing two games in a row on the bounce in the league or not losing, but drawing and losing as what caused Conte to say, all right, if we don't have Kulisevsky, then Kane, I need you to drop back and do a little more work there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that Villa performance was one of the worst. I could see that being something to. Uh, it's up there. Uh, it's up there. It's, it's, yeah. it, it's between that. Um, I would say the uh, Man United match. Mm. It's also very. Poor. That was gross. That was gross. Um, and there was another this is, one. This is where you can tell our Spurs fans we're trying to relive the worst match. Yeah. <laughs> or our worst performances this year. Yeah. Um, riveting stuff. I mean, Harry Kane. Harry Kane. I mean, where okay. will we be without him? That's what. <laughs> where would we be? Like honestly, like we'd be a this team is mid table team. Yeah, this team is like, a mid table team with with one of the best players in the world just willing them along. I mean, the guy's got 15 Premier League goals in 18 matches played, which is a ridiculous output. And if he stays on this, he's on pace to score like 32 goals this season, um, which is incredible in and of itself. He's now one goal off of Jimmy Greaves for the all-time Tottenham club record a record that seems wild like like no one would ever touch that it really did feel that way and he just how fitting would it be against the scum how fitting would it be it would be amazing he does like to score if it like and not just tie it like I want Harry Kane to break the record against the scum like that would be just yeah yeah juicy it's what we need (laughs) um but like even I just want to also just talk about the quality because I feel like I feel like everybody knows that Kane is 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 top class. He's obviously an elite player. He's someone who is not only a poster boy for for Tottenham, but I think is quite frankly a poster boy for the Premier League. Like he, when you talk about the Premier League, if you were to promote it, you would probably prop him up as one of the um, biggest names and faces of it but somehow I still feel like a lot of what he does kind of goes under the radar like I, I don't think he gets talked about in the same way as like a Kevin De Bruyne for being like an amazing passer and for me 
they're on the same he's level. just as he's just as good yeah um some of the passes i think that's that mostly makes. though that de bruyne spends almost all his time making passes kane is more half passing half shooting I, I mean, I but think that, but that's amazing, bro. Like, that's amazing. my whole point. Like, but I'm just for, saying, I feel like you to have he, the same passing ability as someone whose job is to pass the ball, and he's one of the best passers in the world, right? No, I, I, I agree. Uh, and we did talk about this before, but I think that I think that Kane does get credit for that for the most part. I feel like you hear them talking a lot about how great of a passer he is, and they routinely gets called one of, if not the best strikers in the world. So, I mean, I don't disagree that he doesn't get as much love for just his pure passion as De Bruyne does, but that's because they have to be, you know, on him for both parts of it. And they do talk about it, just not as much because there's almost not enough time to do it. <laughs> I even feel like the second goal that he had off the Hill assists is like so clinical and so technical that you almost don't notice how good it is until you see it a couple times. Yeah. And then it's just like, wait, what just happened? Like, yeah, I don't a, know a, a ton angle. of strikers that can that run goal, into space, set the ball, and strike it in that such a in such a technical yeah. matter where it was and just like the goalie has even, no chance. And that quickly, that was the other thing. It was just so fast. Like that hill and, that hill pass sorry. came in, and then like within a second, it felt like it was in the back of the net. Right. And not to get ahead of it, but uh his his goal in the uh the uh the weekend game was yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Was I was gonna bring that up next. Yeah. It's like there's nothing happening, and then Harry Kane just creates a goal. And I'm you know, I, I part of me doesn't even want to talk about it because we're through and so whatever, but it's like you wonder what happens in that game if he doesn't score that goal or if he's just not on the team. Like, do we have enough to beat Portsmouth? It sounds like a ridiculous question to ask, but like I really don't know the answer to that question. Um and so, like, you know, I, I know that people are excited about the fact that, like, Chelsea's out and now Arsenal has to play City. And and, you know, we get Preston North End, which is like it seems like we've had a, a pretty welcome and uh, inviting draw so far. But it's like I don't want to get ahead of myself. I've seen us <laughs> lose to teams like Colchester and NS Mura. Um, so, like. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it. Um, I think we still are unfortunately going to have to play the likes of Harry Kane and Hyung Ming Sun against Preston North End. Um, just because Ma- like I think it when is that match? It is, I think, after the second or before the second city game. It's okay. like the at the end of January. So by then, like know- guys like Richie and they, like, yeah, they might Richie's be back timeline? and then I, I saw like end of January. So he's not playing this weekend. No, I doubt it. I, I wouldn't think he was up for this weekend, but it so might our- be that by the time we get to like Preston North End that he might be back and Kulisevsky might be back. So like it's possible that we might not have to play Kane, but um, I feel like if Richie's available, we probably play Richie up front and give. Kane that's a break. his first game back. I mean, maybe you start him anyway. I could see that. Um, our run in for the next five matches is home versus Arsenal, followed by away at City, away at Fulham, away at Preston North End on the twenty eighth, um, and then home again versus City on February fifth. So. Three big matches in the next three, including a cup tie that. Is it a must win? I mean, 
I feel like it is. I feel like I feel like we have to like try to win the FA Cup. I mean, I don't think we're gonna win the league or the Champions League. We're already out of the Carabao Cup. You said that understated very calmly, but there's no way we're going to win the league or the Champions League this year, if that's what you're talking about. The FA Cup is the only shot we have. We're going to have any. So like, this year. so like we have to try to win it. So well, like, I think we we're going to do that anyway. But I, mean, mean, I, I, I think Conte Premier League is the question. But I think Conte plays strong lineups in every match. Yeah, doesn't, <laughs> he's not a rotating type. So, and he uh, we can't even say that he did rotate quite a bit this match the entire defense was something new the entire yeah. midfield was new like he did rotate he did he he, rot- this match he actually did other than the forwards you're right he, i mean he almost played like a, a b team or something like that like yeah he, he, he rotated everywhere he did that so i expect to see something very similar in the next match just because of how many games did the next epic hill match how many games are playing we probably do play a a lower rate defense. We probably play younger midfield, but we probably we might play our best forwards because you know we don't really have much healthy depth outside of that, and that's not something that we could really account for. Honestly, we it's not like we're we're not a team that's like bereft of attacking talent. We do have four solid people to play up front. Two of them just happen to be hurt at the same time. So here's the thing. Um, I'm looking at the ties um i'm looking at you know kind of what's who's left in the fa cup you've got us you've got city who have to play arsenal so one of those two teams is going to be out you've got man united still left um and then you've got liverpool has to replay their game against wolves and whoever wins that game has to play brighton outside of that i don't see a ton of like world beaters. I mean, there's a few Prem League teams left, like West Ham and Leicester, but those are teams that we should beat. So, like, and this is out of 32 teams. <laughs> like, there's four yeah, threats. A lot of a lot of teams have gone out. A lot of teams lost. Like uh, that, you would ex- have expected to win. So, um... and to be clear, I know by no means am I predicting that we'll actually do anything because, like, <laughs> I could very easily you know, see us losing to Blackburn. Like, that's still on the table. Um, but I just feel like there there has to be a lot, as much focus as you would bring to a Wednesday night game. Like, I feel like that's kind of how this has to be approached, particularly after we get past Preston. Um, then you're down to the round of 16. And I think from there, you just have to, like, smash teams and, and and try to actually win something so we'll see how it goes um it's going to be a lot of cup competitions coming up between fa cup champions league comes back in february um and then you've got all these prem league games that we're going to have to make up after the six weeks off for the world cup so a lot of football upcoming i mean even just looking at those five games that i just rattled off um those are all coming in the span of two or three weeks. Um, so like we play Sunday and Thursday, then the following Monday and Saturday, and then a week off before we play city at home. And that's probably only because we're out of the Carabao cup. So we'll get a week off for the first time um, in a month. So yeah, it's uh I was going to say, we're getting a week off right now. 
Like we are getting a week off right now. Yeah, so it's being That's out true. of the Carabao Cup, like obviously it's nice to win a trophy, but not having that one honestly has like left space in the season that did not exist, which as the team that I, we have yeah. now that's injury that that has injuries, it's it's very helpful <laughs> to be frank. That's, you know, it's that's obviously the that. competition that we would care the least about. Like I, I really was not too upset going out of that one, especially but to Joel's point again, like <clears throat> there's practically not a I can't think of a uh, time recently where we had what appears to be as good of an opportunity in the FA Cup with, like you said, so many, you know, it, it, the pool weakened so much at this point and our kind draw the next round. So. I, I was trying to remember what the other really awful performance we had this season was. Mm-hmm. And you, you just reminded the me. Care about mm-hmm. cough, right? It was that, it was that <laughs> Nottingham Forest match, which yep. like, I, going into the game, I was like, I super, I definitely don't even care if we win this game. Like, I think it would be better for us if we lost. And I still feel that way. But, the but I would have felt better about us trash. if we just played our bench. Like, just play the kids and lose the game. We played, like, seven starters and had just an awful performance, at which point I just was like, why are they even out there? Um, but funny like enough, back to it looked the very similar again. to... <laughs> It looked funny, very similar to the Villa performance. Funny enough, I think if we played the kids, it's possible we would have drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like to be honest, they the kids above all, they're hungry. Like they want to play. They don't get a lot of minutes, so when they play, they at, at least tend to show effort. And effort alone can get you somewhere. You, you you see that in a bunch of sports. Like if you have a group of guys who or girls who like give effort. They might not be the most skilled, but on occasion they can win a game. And that's just that's that's the NCAA <laughs> tournament in a nutshell. Honestly. Yeah, I mean it is. Um, so like I'm I'm just happy. It it's sad that it took injuries. And often with Conte, it does take injuries for guys who are in the cold to come back into the fold. But I'm happy to see guys like Papi Matisar and um Brian Hill get a chance, and then when they do get that chance to actually put in decent performances. I'm not going to call them great. I'm not going to say it's amazing, but what they have done for the team in the last week has been very helpful. And those are, that's a win that we got at, um, no, I can't even remember the team. <laughs> you talking about Portsmouth? <laughs> Portsmouth, Portsmouth, yeah. yes. Pompeii, yeah, Portsmouth. Oh, we got a win against Portsmouth and we got a win at um, Crystal Palace, which is, Honestly, a hard pace to play. We've we've gone to Crystal Palace and lost 3-0 at times with a good team. So, you know, it happens. A little interesting note about our last, uh, our our two FA Cup draws is uh, we drew Portsmouth, which is where Dane Scarlett is away on loan. And then we drew Preston North End, who is currently, um, has Troy Parrott on loan. Um, Obviously, neither of them can play against their home club, so we won't be seeing uh, Troy. And I think Troy's actually hurt currently right now anyway. Yeah. Um, but just uh, just interesting to see that we drew drew two of the teams that we have uh, our our youth strikers out on loan. Um, this is the Khoisar Us podcast. Thank you for listening. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're also on Twitter at Khoisar Us Podcast. That's C O Y S R U S. Um, obviously we have to talk about the upcoming derby, but. I figure since this is something that has been making its rounds on social media, we might as well make a quick note about the alleged meeting that this Qatari investment group had with Enoch and Daniel Levy about potential minority ownership 
of Tottenham Hotspur that has gotten Spurs fans um, in a tizzy. <laughs> I guess I don't know what the right phrase is. It, it seems like take, a lot of people are really excited about it. It doesn't take much these days to get Spurs fans in a tizzy. Yeah, Spurs fans are frank. Spurs fans are on edge right now. I think, <laughs> and I think a lot of it has to do with um, Arsenal, but I think a lot of it also has to do with Conte not signing an extension. Um, and I think the conflation of those two things has everybody on a bit of an edge. Um, on the one hand, I've seen like, yes, finally, we're going to get some of that oil money and we're about to ball out and we're about to spend mad money in the next few windows, um, which is like an overreaction on one end. Um, on the other end, you have like the under no circumstances. If this happens, I will no longer support this club. Um, I haven't seen a lot of like reasonable takes on either side. <laughs> Obviously, this is very early doors. I don't know if there's even any validity to the report and or what it means if they do make a deal, because it sounds like they're shopping around at different clubs and they just like had a meeting with Spurs. But I'm curious to know, like what you guys thoughts are about it, um, how you would feel about it if, if it were to come to fruition. And like, obviously, we'll continue to monitor it. But but I thought it was at least worth mentioning. Yeah, well, I mean, I I hope that the uh, that there's nothing to it or that it's not going to happen. <laughs> that's basically my that's my thought is I I hope that I'm not put in a position where I even have to to uh, make a choice about whether or not I want to. I mean, yeah, I, it's that'd be very difficult. So I I hope that there's nothing to it. Um, I think you're right that it's it's early to jump to conclusions. Uh, you know, we don't even know if the reporting is true. Although it's you know it sounds like there were maybe, maybe some confirmations later this afternoon, but. I hope that, uh, yeah, I hope that we can find an owner that is not as, uh, you know, uh, political at all, to be honest, but especially in in a way that's, you know, human rights and uh, and a host of issues there. Um, we, we talked about it a little bit with the World Cup. I kind of don't understand how this would, what they would really benefit from this as much because they can only be the minority owner. So I don't think that they would become the face of Spurs in the same way they have for PSG. Like they own, I forget which club it is, but they own a minority of some Portuguese club as well. And you never hear about that. So I, I just wonder why they would be interested in becoming a minority owner if their main purpose is to kind of you know launder their image. So I mean, I mean I'm curious about that, but. Yeah. I, I have questions about what that even means. Like, what like what does that even mean to have this nation state investment group become a minority owner does that mean that they're going to be taking cues from from uh joe lewis and enoch um i i don't really know but i also don't know how much i care to be honest um like here's the thing i feel like with the Newcastle takeover and with the city takeover, like I felt the same as most people about like sports washing and kind of these cash injections that clubs are getting where they can just kind of spend with reckless abandon. We saw that city got in fake trouble from FFP and then nothing happened with it. And so like from the perspective of not only image, but like from a moral perspective, perspective it's not something that you really want associated with a club that you care for on the other hand i think my pragmatic side also looks at the state of football 
I look at what just happened with the World Cup happening in Qatar and kind of the way that by the end, nobody really seemed to care or to be talking about all of the things that we were talking about leading up to the World Cup. Um, and it just feels like between FIFA and all of the clubs around the world that football is just a really dirty game right now. <laughs> and it, it's going to sound bad to say this, but it, it, it almost feels like this is kind of where the sport is headed. And we can either like maintain a moral high ground or catch up and like, what does it mean to if you can't beat them, join them. Is that what you're going with? Kind of. Um, I think that's, that's part that's, of that. That's, that's not part of their strategy, like, though. Is to yeah. is to almost numb people, to desensitize people to like what the the some of the things that they talk about. I think that that's that is one of their motives for you know for surely and like and like I came on here before and during the World Cup and I I said how I felt about Qatar and all that, but like at the end of the day, I I still watched all the matches i still yeah, tuned in it's like, it wasn't like i boycotted it and so it's like i feel like sometimes we pretend to care more than we really do and like if this is where football is headed are we gonna all just stop watching the sport i don't know that that's the case i don't know maybe maybe i'm being a little bit too um glib about it but like i don't know how much room i really have to be upset particularly if like this is kind of the way it goes or we can be like the squeaky queen club who doesn't win trophies every 50 years. Like I, <laughs> I don't know that that's better. I'm just, I'm so, just being honest. I'm just, do you think honest. though that the future of at least the premier league or maybe a European football in general, is there just going to be owned by different rich States? <laughs> like it's just going to become like a proxy war for, uh, or a a miniature World Cup where except that they can spend money and go buy players rather than have to uh, produce them from their own countries or I mean kind of I mean football is already a fat cats club right yeah um, the clubs with the most money buy the best players and they do the best right so La Liga pretty much always gets won by Real or Barca because they have the best most money they have the most uh, cachet and they by the best players and that's just kind of how it goes and it's like people know that fans of big clubs almost seem to get offended when small clubs come and take their spot how dare newcastle uh come in to be top four how dare leicester win the league they're not supposed to do that so it's like we already kind of have this elitist idea when it comes to sports as long as they go about getting the money the way that we like it then it's fine but it's like it it all seems a little hypocritical to me because the sport is already definitely some by the haves and the have nots. No question. So now we're just talking about where the funds are coming from. And like that also assumes that the owners of the clubs who aren't Middle Eastern have clean money, which we know is also. Yeah, natural. no, and, and there's, there's definitely some hypocrisy in there. And I'm not even talking about the ethnicity of the owners. And you're absolutely right that the. Um, that you know that other owners have definitely done you know plenty of of uh stuff that we don't know about uh and and that they're it, the main difference though is in my mind at least is we're talking about kind of a different level at least it is known it's, it's part of this it's been an entire country like a nation state 
purchasing teams, I feel like is even worse than just having a rich guy, especially if, again, their motive is to is to try to soften their people's stance on their image of committing, you know, human rights abuses and things like that. I just think that's another lay, that's another level past that. I understand completely, though, what you're saying about the hypocrisy of just the the financial side of it. And like it be, before you even look at where the money's coming, but of the the big boys um, just coming in and getting this injection of cash that completely upends the hierarchy that, that was that way. I mean, that happened with Chelsea first, that happened with City, and now it's happened with Newcastle. It probably will continue to happen happen with uh, with clubs at this point because we've, we've seen how well it's worked, right? How much of a success it has been. Uh, so that's... I think that because the Premier League didn't kind of nip this in the bud when they could have, at the very least, prior to Newcastle and probably even going back to City to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen. Um, it's I think the, you know, the horse is out of the barn and I don't think that they're going to be able to. I don't know how they can stop. And I, like I was saying earlier, a little bit sarcastically, but what if just countries keep doing this now like countries that have are you going to have like russia buy a team like this the some kind of fund that's actually the, the country of russia is going to buy a team or <laughs> they north already korea bought Chelsea. <laughs> well that was just that was just one of the see that that one was a little bit further removed at the very yeah least. no I'm, but yeah I'm, you're I'm right joking I mean, but i'm not everyone that started this I, but but you're, you're you're partially right uh and anyway yeah, I don't, yeah, I, don't I mean, I, like I said, like, I think it's still very premature for us to even be wondering about what this means for the future of yes. Spurs. I don't think that Enoch right now has any desire to sell the club. So even if it does happen, they'd still be the primary owners. Um, but I, I thought it was worth at least bringing up before we move on. Kim, did you have anything to add about any of this? I, I know you've been pretty quiet, but it just sucks that we get to the point that we have to have these conversations and that our club, who honestly, to say this, we're rich. We're not we're not a poor club. Like this club makes a lot of money. And I feel like we're at the point where our club should be doing the investment and we should not need to go to outside funding to make investment into this club. Daniel Levy obviously is the chairman, but um, Joe Lewis is a billionaire. Like, <laughs> it's not that we are, don't already have a billionaire owning this club. We just don't have a billionaire putting his money into this club. And so why can't we have that guy do this? Why can't we have that guy give us the money to to make the, to take this club forward? Why do we have to go to Qatar? Why do we, ha- why do we have to go to a, a fund that we know is is supplied the money is supplied by the nation of qatar why do we have to do that i i don't understand it i and i and i get like that's where football's heading but i don't have to like it to what you're saying just one last thing is you know how you hear people frequently say you know keep politics out of sports um it would just it would be a lot easier if they would keep you know sports out of out of politics basically like to reverse it like this <laughs> yeah. is what, that's that's what's happening that's and it's making every fan have to uh you know to to have to have an internal, you know, uh, like a, a, an issue with it, to have to uh, consider it even is it's almost not fair to the fans. You know what I mean? That's where the Premier League probably shouldn't have put a fan base in this position. Yeah, totally agree. Multiple fan um, bases. Well, like I said, we'll we'll, we'll see how this plays out, um, and and we'll we'll see how the story develops. In the meantime, we've got Arsenal on Sunday. Big match. Uh, They battered us at the Emirates like they typically 
tend to do. <laughs> but we we do a pretty good job with them when they come to Tottenham. Um, we obviously had that famous win at home against them last year, which helped us to solidify top four and also helped to eliminate them from, from top four. This year has played out a lot differently than last season. Um, they have looked pretty dominant at, at times. They they recently drew against Newcastle, who also looks really good right now. Um, and so coming into this match, um, obviously, I would say on form, they've been playing better than us for pretty much all of the year. Um, we are coming off of two wins, one more convincing than the other. Um, the game is at home, which is always nice. Kulisevsky should be back, which is great news. Um, they've got a few knocks on their side. I know that uh, Smith Rowe recently came back from injury. He played about 20 minutes in their FA Cup draw today. Saka came off in their FA Cup draw today. So we'll have to monitor that and see what that means for, for him. Um, on our end, we've got you know, Richarlison probably not playing, Mora definitely not playing. Um, and I think the question mark is is whether or not Bentinker is going to be healthy enough to come back. This is always a crazy game. Um, what are you expecting? Or 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 should I say, what are you looking for going into the Derby match on Sunday? Well, um, it's it's hard to be super uh, optimistic about it just considering where they are right now and where we are but derbies are always you can uh more you're more much more likely to have kind of anomalous things happen i feel like in derbies it doesn't necessarily follow the flow of the season the way that a lot of the games do so it's just a, anything can happen especially in a north london derby it feels like um even if, if they're down they can still beat us and vice versa so hopefully that will play into it. What I really want to see, though, is us just not sitting back too much. Obviously, I think that we're going to sit back a little bit on the counter, um, even though because this game is at at Tottenham, right? Yeah. So I think we'll still sit back, but I'm just hoping that it's not one where we just completely seed possession. Um, I'd like to see us a little bit more on the front foot. Uh, again, just because of the way they played. And we played not not just in terms of uh, of success this season, but in stylistically, I can't see us having you know more than like forty percent of possession. Um, but I hope that we are at least pressing them, and that we obviously will just have to make good use of the ball when we do get it. Because I like I said, I don't see us trying to actually like out possess them. That's just not on the cards. No, I don't but, see that either. But yeah, I, I really I mean, hope thinking cool about the game last year. I feel like, um, what was it? Rob Holding um, was kind of playing Sonny too aggressively to try to beat the red card. him going uh, in from behind, which he was obviously doing a lot more last year than he is this year. Um, and that allowed us to kind of target him and get him out of the game, which then threw off their entire game plan. Um, I do feel like we can try something like that with Gabriel. Um, I think he is kind of like their, their weak link in the back. Um, and so like, I think we're not going to play the same game plan as last year, because I don't think we have been playing the same way and, and, and not, and son is not the same threat that he was when he won the golden boot. Um, but I do think that there are things that we can do to try to like 
frustrate, even if it doesn't necessarily mean him getting a red card, but just like putting them in positions to like give up a stupid free kick um, or just, you know, get a yellow card. Um, they have a couple of players. I think both uh, Saka and Saliba are like one yellow away from a suspension, which is going to be big for their title race as well. So they're going to have to play somewhat conservatively um, in terms of like the physical battle. So I think there are things that we can do. Um, and I think we have the best player on the pitch. So that is always going to be a little bit of a game changer uh, because like no matter how much they could contain us, they don't really, he he always seems to score against them. He, he, he seems to score against most teams anyway. And so I do think that like a lot of our, our, our chances of success are going to really come down to how well Harry plays. Um, and then obviously like, Kulisevsky coming back in the team opens up our offense a lot. So making the most use of that 40% of possession. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with everything you guys have been saying. Um, I do think we have, you know, some stuff that could hurt them. I think being smart with the ball is the most important thing is that when we get it actually be purposeful in our possession. Um, so that's going to require our midfield and our, our midfield is going to be overrun because they play three and, but when our guys get the ball, just be purposeful with it and put it in good positions, like make good passes. Like that's the kind of thing that you will have to do against this team. And I feel like that's what we didn't do well enough. The last time we played them at the Emirates was we were just kind of all over the place and we couldn't string anything together and allowed them to not just have possession, but also to like support everything we wanted to do. And so I think it's, I expect to see Doherty on the on the pitch as opposed to Emerson, and I think he was a big uh, problem the last time we played them. I, he honestly did not play well against Arsenal. He got sent off and all that. So um, I think us having um, 11 players on the pitch will be helpful. Um, so if we can keep our heads, um, like you say, I, I think when we play them at home, honestly, it is a different thing. And yeah. And these Darby's form does tend to go out the window. So, um, you know, I'm quietly confident that we can at least get a result there. Well, let me ask you this. because You talked about like being overrun in the midfield. And I wonder, like. Surely, if you play a formation, that doesn't necessarily mean like you have to just use it for 90 minutes. Right. Like, I do wonder about when you have a front three of Kane of Kane, Son, and Kulisevsky, like, can you have Kulu drop into the midfield at certain points where you can kind of turn that into a three or or do things where you are shifting some of the players around? Kane obviously drops back a lot, but I, I also don't want him being a defensive midfielder. I feel like Kulisevsky of the front three is probably best equipped to be able to kind of like play in the middle a little bit, maybe play a little bit number 10, maybe play off on the wing. And I think if we have Doherty making those runs on the right side, that also opens up space for him to be able to drift in a little bit. Um, I'm not the technician, the tactician of this podcast. That's, that's Kim's title, but I do wonder like, is there space to be able to do stuff like that instead of just saying, well, we're going to give up midfield because we play a two, like, I mean, I think there, I think way. there is space to do it, and that's that's where Conte sometimes being inflexible and truly wanting their guys to play three four three all the time 
to me becomes the problem. But yeah, I think if we we get to the point where we're like, we get to halftime and we realize stuff's not working. Conte has shown the ability to make changes uh, usually at halftime. So I expect if things aren't going well with the front three and we don't really have guys that can come in and sub. So like if Kulisevsky plays and Kane plays and Sun plays and something doesn't go well, I probably expect him to take off Sun and put on another midfielder if they're healthy. But right now I feel like a lot of this comes down to who's available. And if we don't, if we only have, if Benzikor is not available, then who, and well, Basuma should come back because he was suspended the last game. So what do you expect? Like Hoiberg and Basuma to start? And then who's then your midfielder that comes in to spell them or to add to them? And that's where I feel Pop. like we, Pape, I mean, baby. Big Pape. Oof, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure, but you know. Gotta have my pops. I guess we'll and I, I honestly I'm 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 definitely liking this we'll see sort of like aspect about Spurs in general. Um we'll see. We'll see how how things come together. We'll see who's healthy, we'll see who can get out on the pitch. Um, but I have more uh confidence going into this game than I would have last week. So that's you know, on the triangle is a, a little hope. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're trending towards hope. Um, I, I am. I am. So I thought about this yesterday because I was thinking about, you know, making predictions for today. And I, I, I think I know exactly what's going to happen. So I'm going to break it down for you guys. Don't even worry about it this week. I've got it handled. <laughs> First half is going to play out exactly how you think. They're going to have like 70% of the possession. Um, Hugo's going to make a few wonder saves. And we're going to end up leaking a goal with like 10 minutes left in the half. We go down a goal. Doom and gloom. Everybody's freaking out. Spurs Twitter is, is, is back up in a tizzy. And then within like 15 minutes of the second half, Kane pulls one back and then it's game on. And then it's one, one with 30 minutes to play. And that's when he does it. That's when he breaks Greaves' <laughs> record. Spurs win 2-1. Harry Kane brace. Crown him. Game over. Done. Yeah, I mean, doesn't sound implausible by any stretch. I would say if if we take three points, that has to be one of the likelier scenarios to make that happen. Um, but yeah, I I I agree with you guys. I'm not as pessimistic as I would have thought. And a lot of that is because, you know, two good results in a row is helps a little bit. And a lot of it is because, like I said earlier, these the, when the derbies uh, take place, it's just it's a different it's a different feel. It, it feels like anything can happen with these games. So, and it helps that we're at home. Um, well, let's see. I will go. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go two one as well. It's there we to, go. It's there we go, another, Betty. Uh, yeah, there there we, go. we go. I love it. I can't see us not conceding a goal, um, <laughs> but I could, I could see us getting on the scoreboard. And, that, and that's where the freakout's yeah. gonna happen because it's gonna be like, oh, here we go back against uh, conceding first. We blew it. Of course, of course, they're gonna score first. I already know that. What if we give up like a 37 second goal or something? Right, like they score off the kickoff, basically. Why are you putting this into the? <laughs> no, 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 no. Why no. are you? Why are you even talking well, about this? <laughs> here's, here's the other thing, right? I think the reason I bring up Hugo is I feel like he is equal parts capable of a stinker and 
equal parts capable of like a world class yeah, gold saving. At this effort. point, I think he is. I mean, he ironically, had, ironically yeah. one of his best games of the year was against United when we played awful. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I do feel like in order for us to win this game, Arsenal's going to get shots at goal. So he's going to have to do some things, um, I think, in both halves to keep us in the game. Um, I don't. I still don't trust our defense. Um, I think Romero is always a card threat, which, like, I love but also hate at the same time. What is it? Saka plays on the left? Because <laughs> if he's there and Romero, uh, I think you he know. plays on the right am i does he yeah I think uh, he plays martinelli on plays on the left yeah he plays oh on the yeah no you're right I think I uh, like Mar- martinelli was giving uh what's his was giving royale a lot of problems the last time we played them that to me was like the matchup that we just lost and that well, imagine if it's Doherty yeah. too because he's not he's not as defensively sound but he's well, not yeah, as I mean, he's not as defensively probably gonna sound. be back there with him though it's probably going to be um Romero. Romero, Romero. Right, right, Yeah, right, right. and he's not as defensively sound, but he does give Martinelli, like, Martinelli won't be able to be, I think, as expensive because Doherty will be running at him as well, and that will be a difference in what we... But that also means that... That also means that... <laughs> yeah, that also means that if Saka is healthy, then he's going to be up against Perisic and Longley, so... Yeah, I don't and, feel as and great I, about I that think, right side. I think he's supposed to be healthy, honestly. Yeah, so I think he is. All right, Kim, it's up to you. What's oh, you I was I'm going two one as well. But like it wasn't <laughs> it it wasn't even what you said that got me to do that. Like coming into today, coming into the podcast, I was like, we're gonna win two one. To me, that's just you know would be the best way for things to happen. Yes, Harry Kane, two goals, not just meets the record but breaks the record and I think I said that earlier so like I w- I have been thinking about that and I I really do think we do win 2-1 I think it's something that not just fan base needs but the team needs it's it and I and I think Palace was like you don't like to say it in the moment but it felt like a moment with the team that felt like all right things aren't perfect we don't have all the guys but we still should be able to put in performances we still should be able to win games like that should not be the reason we don't win games and it felt like guys took the responsibility of saying like this is on us like Conte is our coach but as players we have to we have to put our best foot forward and we saw from a couple players some of their best (laughs) feet were out there um so I'm hoping that can continue um like I say, hope Kulusevsky comes back. And to me, Kulusevsky alone, it's sad to say, but he always gives me more, more confidence when he's on the pitch. That 100%. something good will happen. So um, having balls, like if we're able to get a few set pieces, free kicks, like having him in Paris just to put in crosses, I think gives us a better chance to actually um, score goals. So, um, yeah, I think we do win 2-1. Well, Sunday... I will be at the pub, DC Spurs. We're having our uh, belated holiday party since we couldn't have one during the World Cup. Um, so we're kind of just having a Derby party instead. Um, and it's a three-day weekend for me because I got Monday off. So I'm oh, ready to party. I'm ready to party that. after that After that three points. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And um, let's beat the scum. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, Spurs.